You're listening to Fuel Radio, inspiration and training to fuel your day. Now here's your host, Rod Jans. Hi there. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Before we begin, I thought I'd just give it a little bit of context. I've been meeting with Dr. Kayvon Kay for the last few months, and we've been talking about putting a podcast together. And we thought that we would get together with one of his clients to do an interview and sort of give an example of his work. After the interview was over, I asked Kayvon if I could post the interview to Fuel Radio. And so what you're about to hear is that interview. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 10X Productivity Podcast with Kayvon Kay. I'm your host, Rod Jans. In today's episode, we visit with Kayvon Kay and Muhammad Duji. Muhammad is a successful business analyst who's been coached by Kayvon. During this episode, we discuss the changes that occurred in Muhammad's business while he was working with Kayvon and some of the techniques that they implemented in Muhammad's business that led to his recent growth and success. Thanks again for joining us, and here's Kayvon Kay and Muhammad Duji. I'm here with Kayvon Kay and with Muhammad Duji. Did I get your yes, name you right? Did. We've been practicing before we started. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> hello. It's actually a pretty simple name, but I yeah. keep forgetting it. <laughs> and Kayvon, we'll we'll go into the history here, but Muhammad approached Kayvon for for coaching, and we're going to talk about the history of that. And maybe just to kick things off, Muhammad, why don't you describe where you were at when you approached um, Kayvon and, and, and when was that? When, when did you so first? That was, I would say, early May of 2016 um, when I approached Kayvon. I had met Kayvon through, I think, two or three different ways by then. I had met him at the CrossFit gym. I'd met him at, I think, some speaking events. Yeah, there was a meetup, I think. There's a meetup yeah, that we yeah. met up. Um, and then I'd met people who'd worked with him through that sort of community. Um, and that was kind of, I think that was the start of, you know, I knew I needed to do something. I'd been working on productivity, I would say, since I was in my early teens, because I could never figure out, like, schooling didn't work for me in the traditional sense. And I could never figure out, like, I knew there was a way to crack the code, but the code that everybody was telling me to crack wasn't the right one and I'd struggled there were parts where it'd been good but then I'd struggled you know until my I guess late 20s to get to that point to figure it out and then that's when I met Gavon and he's a nice guy <laughs> <laughs> um, well I don't know about that but, okay. but you know but it was he it was his, he was a friendly demeanor you know he had a body of work even then to like say okay like you know I feel really strongly about working with somebody I didn't know necessarily what I was going to get out of it. Like I knew that, okay, he's a productivity coach, but I didn't know how it was going to transform my life uh, going into that. And it's been three years, I would say, or it's almost three years mm -hmm. now. And, and I can't actually go back. Like I have reference points to see what my life was like then, but I can't imagine my life being that three years later because it's yes. completely different let, let, let's talk about that for a second then we'll ask Kayvon what his first impressions were yes. of, of your business situation yes 
Um, what was going on in your business at the time that you you would even want to seek out a coach? Yeah, so I was I was kind of in a mixed area. I'd always felt like I had an entrepreneurship mindset, but never had been able to capitalize on that. I had just started my IT consulting business and Divian Consulting at that time, um, but it really was more of a contracting business. I was working. I had one client. I was working on contract. I was an employee that just had no benefits effectively. Um, and, you know, I was looking and dabbling in different areas to say, like, you know, there has to be a better way of living a good quality of life. You know, at that time, it was more about like, I wanted to make more money. And I was like, well, I, you know, to, for me to make more money, I need to find ways of not being in the room necessarily billing hourly. You know, and that was that was what I was at. And I was, you know, at the same time in my personal life, I was struggling, you know, trying to make sure that I can find the right relationship, make it work within the context of my family, my community, my people, my friends. You know, even I felt like my friendships weren't as good at that time. So I was kind of like, I would say I wasn't as lost as I was when I was 20, but I still wasn't. I hadn't found the right path. And in some ways I was spinning the wheels and having to reinvent myself. And I think CrossFit is a good analogy for that as well. So like I took up CrossFit, I no longer do CrossFit, but I took up CrossFit and before that I had worked out and I had done yoga and I'd done this and I'd done this, but there'd never been a measurable trajectory from point A to point B. I'd maybe lose some weight, gain it back. You know, like there was just so much that just never worked in that moment. So Mm -hmm. It's, it's interesting. So it sounds like it was more than just business, which I think probably Kayvon can comment on this, but I think a lot of times people seek out a coach and maybe they don't know it at the time even, but it's not just about business. Coaching helps. It affects your, your personal life as well. We had a brief conversation about that before we started. So Kayvon, what were your first impressions of, of Mohammed? Cause I know yes. that you don't just yeah. work with everybody. And, uh, but, but what was your first impressions of, of Mohammed and his business at the time? Um, well, thank you for that. And, and what you said is, is absolutely, absolutely true. When we work on business, it's not just business. We have to work on the person as well, which was basically the, one of the earliest realization when I started coaching because my coaching was called growth coaching and marketing and business and that sort of thing. And I realized, uh, until the person that I'm working with has a certain kind of thinking and mindset, entrepreneurial thinking, there isn't much that can be done. The person has to take the advice and being able to implement it. So therefore, I called it entrepreneurial coaching for a while. There is this certain kind of a person that I like to work with. Uh, First of all, taking a lesson from my own mentor, my own coach, I don't want to work with people who need my services. I like to work with people that they want my services. So the, that was something that I was looking in in our initial conversation with, with Mohammed here. And it's all about the, the question he asks, the way that he asks those questions. And, and you, you test the people that you want to work with, with a few little things here, like you give them advice on something a little that they can go ahead and implement or not. And you see if they, they do it or not, or not. He mentioned that we met in the CrossFit gym. Mm-hmm. And I specifically remember this day that I think it was a weightlifting session. And he was talking about his thighs not, not working well for him that day. <laughs> so uh, I gave him because from previous days we were still being sore, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. what you get when we're, we're with weight. So. I told him 
about this this technique on a foam roller to to release the tension in the muscles, which they still use. Which they still use. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So and it's it's a it's not a like a two minute thing. It it requires you to stay with it. It's a five ten minute process and and it really works. So I explained that to him and okay, so go. And five minutes later or ten minutes later, he came back. Oh, this worked like a miracle. So he implements, right? So, so that <laughs> you like that, yeah. yeah so, so you you see that and you say, "Ooh, my kind of guy." Yeah, the kind of a person that I like to work with. I like to surround myself. Um, you know, they say happiness or success doesn't matter. They're kind of the same thing. Is working with who you want, when you want. Where you want, how you want, and you know, you know, from the location. So the the Mo has been that Mohammed has been, has been that kind of a person, the person that I look forward to pick up the phone or meet him somewhere and having a conversation. So that uh, that positive, enthusiastic, and get things done kind of a personality is what I look for in in my clients. Great. Well, maybe maybe both of you could answer this question. But what were some of the first things that you worked on? I think the f- very first thing um, that Kayvon did for me um, is he had me run a series of benchmarking tests. Um, I think we did the Colby test. Yes. Um, we went over my Myers-Briggs test that I'd done previously. Um, Can you just explain the Colby test just real quickly? What is that's that? That's going to be a tough one. I'm gonna okay, we'll let you do that. So it, the, the idea is when we start, we want to get a snapshot of where we are. Mm-hmm. So we not only find out what are the areas of improvement, what we need to focus on first. But also in future, when we make changes and we make improvements by adding or removing things that they work or do not work for us, we have something to compare it with. And as far as, and also there is also modalities of of work and communication. For example, um, I think we mentioned this before in a personal conversation. So, uh, so whoever is watching this and listening to this, um, think that when it comes to receiving information and understanding something, are you a uh, listener or are you a reader? Some of us mm-hmm. are more yeah. auditory and some are more. And, and of course, something that is audiovisual, like a video works both. But if it's just one of those, podcast or book kind of a thing, mm-hmm. or audiobook book. Uh, and when it comes to explaining something or output of information, are you a writer or a talker? In my case, I know I'm a listener talker, um, but other people go th- through all sorts of variations. And it's important to know that about yourself and people that you want to work with. So if you know a certain person is more of a listener, don't send them an email. Mm-hmm. Talk to them. Send them a voicemail <laughs> and all of that. They get it better and, and all of that. So like my assistant, Joyce, she knows if she needs to, she needs me to get to my attention on something. She needs to talk to me about it. Send me an email about it. It's usually, you know, at your own risk. Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's, that's, that's one of the simple ones. Yeah. And, and expanding on that, there are, there have been tests designed as far as, um, your, internal personality, your work personality, and your MO, as in modus operandi, how you work. So Myers-Briggs is one of the tests that is about personality. The, another one is a desk test. And those tell us that how our relationship between our internal world and external work, world work together. At the same time, two people can have two different types of personality, but they work the same way. They MO a mode of operation is the same. For example, 
and and that's the what that's what Colby measures how you do what you do not what you do so this is different from what you're good at what your gift is we could have different gifts or diff- different interests but we work the same way so for example one of the measurements in a Colby test is called a fact finder I'm a number three which is called a simplifier and uh, in combination with the other measurements Colby test flat out told me Kayvon, you do your best work when you leave it for the last minute. So that might seem strange, <laughs> but that's good to that's know. That's not what mine told me, so that's good. <laughs> that's not what yours told no, me? No, that's not what mine told me. I think one of the things that mine told me that still resonates with me, and it's weird because it's not necessarily a business thing or yes. a personal thing. It's just an overall life thing, is that the hardest strain for me is to be passionate. So like that visible level of passion. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that, it solved a lot of like internal like why am I not more excited about this? Well, it's like that's not how you operate. That's yes. not how you think. That's not how you do. It doesn't mean I'm not passionate about something. It doesn't mean I'm not, you know, I might not be the guy who's going to yell up and down when you know my team scores a goal. Yes, yes. But I'm definitely still equally as invested in it. Just my demonstrative way is a bit different. And that's a very good point. Like the realization he had, mm-hmm. or the realization I had, is very liberating because suddenly there's there is data and evidence that tells you this is who you are in my case leaving everything for the last minute brings i i just thought i'm a you know lazy person i plan well but i don't implement so i had these all of these years of guilt and thinking of myself of of you know i don't know for shoulds right sh- all of the shoulds yeah. well yeah. and you always t- speak very <laughs> harshly to yourself like you know yeah. i kept repeating the word loser 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 in my own mm-hmm. head until the test tell told me there's nothing wrong with you this is how you operate your best version shows up when when you are in a limited time period so therefore i have changed my life instead of working in in long periods, I work in short bursts. Basically, life, happiness, success, productivity for me is not a marathon, is a series of sprints. So I'm, I'm that kind of a person. So the same thing th- for him. He knows that his passion, if he's not showing up, doesn't, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So measuring ourselves with something else. So that gives you a good idea. And, and I like what you said. It's not just life uh, or business. The way we do anything is the way we do everything. Mm-hmm. So that's my MO, modus operandi. And it, it doesn't change. Um, maybe early teenage years with 50s is a bit different, but MO pretty much stays the same. People might get a different result if they are in a transition period, like a big, big life change, like a divorce or something. Mm-hmm. But generally they, they stay the same. So we did that. There is another test called Fascinate, How to Fascinate, which is about how the world sees you. So we get a 360 picture of the person, what's in inner world to outer world communication and connection with, what's the personality, how the world sees them and how they operate. That gives us a good idea that who he is and how he operates and how he makes success happen. And we take those and we repeat those and we avoid the things that they are Correct ways for other people, not for him. So, Muhammad, was it liberating for you? And what were the practical implications of learning that you're not passionate about everything? I, I guess I'm not visibly passionate. Is visibly, how, I would, okay. how, I, how I would describe it. And okay. I think so there's a couple of things that came out of that that really transformed 
my life in general. So the one thing that came out of that is in terms of how the world sees me and how I'm, you know, whether it's in my business life or my personal life, there's no apology to not being a certain type of way in a certain social function or in a work function or anything like that, you know. And I and just even being able to say that, like, that's not how I show passion is liberating enough for me to say, like, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, I surprise myself from time to time when I'm yelling at the TV when I'm watching, <laughs> watching a game. Yeah. Um, but generally, I would not do that in public. And I and it's not because I'm consciously sitting down and saying, I'm not going to do this. It's just it doesn't come out. Mm-hmm. Right. But just being and if somebody asks, yeah. you can say, like, that's, you know, I am passionate, just not my style. Right. Like, yeah. that's kind of the sort of colloquial way of saying it. Yeah. The idea, the umbrella idea the approach is not changing who he is, but leveraging uh, who he is, right? This is how you do things. This is how you communicate. Let's um, work on those strengths and get more out of that and not worry about the things that they won't work for you anyway. Like if I'm trying to do a marathon kind of a work, it's it's not going to go anywhere. Right? <laughs> Mohammed, did you have a picture in your mind or a belief that in order to be an entrepreneur or to be successful in business that you had to be passionate or I th- show I th- up passionately? Well, I, I think I had a – I honestly had a lot of those type of scripts and beliefs within mm-hmm. myself that, you know, in order for me to succeed, I had to be an X, Y, and Z type of person. And, and that's like accumulation of, you know, growing up and, and having – sort of that cookie cutter approach as kids. Cause like my whole family comes from the medical background. Um, you know, they're doctors, dentists, pharmacists, and that was sort of the expectation to go in. Um, and, and knowing that your background is in the same, yes. same, same <laughs> world. Um, Our family as well. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but knowing, and, and it was, it felt like a lot of pressure to meet up to the standard. And I can't even stand the sight of blood. Like if I was a, a <laughs> dentist, you'd be, you'd come, I'd be a YouTube sensation now, actually, because I'd be like the dentist passed out on the floor <laughs> <laughs> after every surgery. Cause it's just not my, I can't even watch a TV show with gory blood without feeling queasy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but then just sort of being like, that doesn't make me a failure. It doesn't make me, um, you know, a success either, right? Like just because I'm not a doctor and I'm, I'm something else, you know, success or whatever that may be. It's about accepting for me, it was about accepting that, Hey, I'm actually this person. It's a pretty good person. Actually, I, I would say so. Um, but it's letting that person come out of that shell. And then when that person comes out, that's when you see the transformations in your life. So whether it's your business, whether it's your personal life, and I think we've sort of alluded to it, but when you're an entrepreneur, when you're somebody who works, that distinction between work life, personal life, it's a way of life. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, it's a way of life. Um, So you have to kind of live and breathe in that same era from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep. Right. And so that's something that, you know, I I was able to find for myself now where it doesn't mean I don't try things. It doesn't mean I haven't, you know, like I think stand up is a is a good um, analogy. You look at a stand up comedian um, and you'll have those stand ups that are like super crazy bonkers on stage. And then you have someone like Dimitri Martin who just deadpans lines. Doesn't mean you can't be a comic because you're not passionate. It just means that your style is going to be different than someone like Dane Cook because he's so over the yes. top when he's on stage, right? So it, that's what it really got out for me was like, hey, you know, I don't have to be a certain type of person to become where I want to go. I just have to be 
myself and I'm going to get there, but my journey is not going to look like yours or yours or anybody else's. It's going to be my journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when things align like that, and that's the kind of a process that we go through, when things align like that, and especially for others, but even for the person himself or herself, it's hard to say when work stops and play starts or you know how they transition together because from the outside world everything looks like something that a person is passionate about excited about enjoying themselves working in their unique ability and and going from there so identifying those those things to to line them up in in a way that they are optimized is the main part of the work mm. So I know from my conversations with Kayvon that he's a real productivity specialist and he, he's even helped me already with <laughs> organizing my to-do list just in a, in a little in a little uh, wisdom drop that he gave me one day. And uh, so how has working with Kayvon helped you in terms of your productivity and your business? Let's talk about maybe some of the early changes. Let's, yes. let's go early, middle, late. But what were some of the early changes? So that I, think, I, I think one of the things that Kayvon really did well was um, – he kind of did that carrot and stick approach. So he didn't take a dump truck and dump everything on your plate. He kind of said, let's do small changes. And then it sort of rolled the ball. And I think one of the first changes that we did that I still use today is the Pomodoro technique. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, simply breaking your time chunks down. And, and the Pomodoro technique is, you know, 25 minutes, 5 minutes. But one of the things Kayvon did was like, if you're struggling with something, decrease the amount of time. Um, so instead of making a 25-minute one, make it a 20-minute or 15 or 10 or even, heck, go down to five, right? Just to get you over that inertia or get you over, over that. So that little change alone did two things for me. One is, you know, we talked a lot about We'll talk a lot about elimination of certain things in your life. But sometimes there's things that you just can't avoid to eliminate because you have to do them, you know, like taxes. You know, you can outsource some of them, but you still have to do the base of that. Um, if it's not something you're passionate about and you still have to grind it out, there's now a technique for me to go and say, okay, you know what, I'm just going to do five minutes. And then generally, once the moment, once you sort of get over that inertia, the momentum picks up and you go. But that was one of the biggest changes and it was like very early on that we did that has transformed my my life. And sometimes, you know, when you're in, in a project, you don't necessarily have a timer going. But if you hit a roadblock, then you have something to go back to as well, right? Mm-hmm. So you can say like, hey, I've been working a couple of days on this. It's been going good. I don't really have a time track. I'm sort of just going, 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 you know, trying to remember to take breaks. But sometimes when you're passionate about something, you go, screw the break, just get me going, right? Yeah. <laughs> but when you hit that wall or when you're having troubles getting out of it, you now have a technique to say, cool. let's deal with it. Kayvon, you want to comment on that technique? Uh, well, that was a perfect exp- explanation of it. Yeah. I just want to remind us of the other side of the coin as well. Because uh, as he said, Pomodoro is about 25-minute t- chunks of time. And if something is hard for you to do, you don't enjoy it, it's struggling kind of work, you don't have to work 25 minutes. Bring that down to 10 minutes. Anybody can work on something for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and you take a break after that. The other side of the coin is the things that they just click and you enjoy the kind of an activity that you get into your zone. So stopping at 25 minutes is kind of like interrupting that. So the same way that we decrease the time on the things that we do not enjoy, we can increase the time on the things that uh, they just work for us. So uh, we call that, we, for the sake of simplicity, things that you hate to do, uh, things that you're okay to do, things that you love to do. For the ones that we hate to do, go for 10-minute periods. Okay, 25 minutes. And for the other ones, 50 minutes. 
time breaks, um, time work periods. And, and I found that by kind of an ex- experimenting with different times. And I noticed after a while working on what we call our focus muscle, uh, I'm able to stay focused on, on something for 50 minutes. But that kind of was the maximum that I could take it. And later, a few years later, I found in some that they have done some study that uh, the maximum is and the optimum is 53 minutes with 17 minute break which was kind of my model by exercise uh, experimenting as in 50 minutes and 10 10 to 15 minutes of a break in between so there are great tools out there and they all can be modified both for our personality and the, the nature of the work that we're doing let's keep going Mohammed what are some of the other changes that you made we'll get, we'll keep maybe we'll keep going back and forth like this like, yeah no, you no. can talk about the changes that you made and we'll get Mohammed or um, we'll get K1 to comment on them I think one of the other changes and I remember struggling through this where I felt overwhelmed with the number of things I had to get done. And when you're in a rut, which I felt like I was when I really started with him, I couldn't see outside the box. Like there's no outside the box thinking. And it was, you know, the example I have is like, at that time we were, this was before Marie Kondo sort of took by storm. (laughs) Um, this was the early onset of discarding and, and going through that, and 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 I and I love discarding. Like I almost want to buy things just to be able to discard them. <laughs> I, had, I get that much joy out of it. But I had it's I had this, yeah. <laughs> I had this um, room full of stuff, and it was one of those things where like I didn't felt guilty throwing it out, but I'm like, oh, I have to take this to like Salvation Army and take this to Value Village and take this to the Diabetes Association. I couldn't figure out and I had to take this to the dump and it was just it was an overwhelming amount of things to do. And one of the things Kayvon said is outsource it. Hmm. I went like and and my background in terms of growing up, outsourcing was something like why would I give money to somebody when I can do something? And just realizing that, hey, you know, like this person saved me like and I honestly, I called in 1-800-GOT-JUNK. They came and took it. They do the sorting. They deal with it. And it, I think it must have saved me like, I'd say like 20 to 30 hours of my labor time, which is so much more valuable. You know, ne- knowing that now is like, I do that so routinely, you know, whether it's grocery shopping, whether it's, you know, shopping in general, you know, bringing, condensing those times. And I go like, I can't believe I used to use so much time to do this. And it's not something I... You know, I'm not passionate about taking stuff to the dump, right? So if somebody's going to come and do it, you know, and and it works, then it, that was something that really helped. And and so eliminating things that you don't want to do, or outsourcing them for certain things wherever you can, I think was another technique that you know, and and how to do that was I think mm-hmm. more more to that, not just from a, you know, you call this number and, and dial, yes. but like how you decide what to eliminate, how you decide, you know, where the cost-benefit analysis is and, and how you can justify that in your life, I think, was one of the biggest things that came out of it. Kayvon, it seems like, I mean, I hear, what, I hear you saying a bunch of different things, but I just see the power in having a coach in that whole situation. You know, we and coaches often say this, and I think we get a little tired of hearing it, but it's like, are you stuck in a rut? You know, do you need yeah. some help getting out of the rut? But it's really true, isn't it, Kayvon? That, it is really true. You yeah. know, I, I heard this many years ago, and and it hit me and I have been a believer ever since. I don't think who I don't, I don't care who you are. Everybody needs a coach. <laughs> well, I don't care who you are. I'm going to repeat this. <laughs> Everybody needs a coach. Yes, go ahead. Well, think about it this way. Um, we look at professional sports. I mean, that's an analogy I think everybody can relate to. Yes. And you have players, you know, let's take hockey, for example. You have a player that's making $10 million a year. Why does he have a coach that's making 
you know, now coaches are making chunks of money in the NHL, for example. Why does he have a coach behind him? He's he's at the pinnacle of like being in the NHL, being a first line forward in the NHL is probably the pinnacle of what you can be in that industry. That person has not only a coach during the game, they have practices, they have, you know, skills coach in the offseason, nutrition coaches, you know, trainers, like they have a team. Mental of, mindset, yeah, psychology, yeah. all of that. Golfers are like that too. You yeah. realize it with the Masters that just happened that Tiger has a whole team. Like it's not, yeah. you figure, why do you need a coach for golfing? But they all have co- that whole team of coaches. Correct. Yeah. 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 But, but th- like if those people, yeah. you know, like need coaches and they're at the top, like they're in their field, they're the most visible, right? So we see them, we see them in the media every day, but they require coaches and they require that help, mm-hmm. you know. So why wouldn't I take advantage of that in requiring that help? And that's one of the things of having a coach is, you know, all these techniques that we talk about, you can research them online and be able to find them, right? Like, but if you don't know where to start, you don't know how it applies, you don't you don't know how to make it work within you, you you're going to go through, like, I find, like, I went through a lot of, like, success and failures. And not to say that I didn't have ups and downs with my journey with Kayvon, but at least it was something like, hey, this doesn't work. Can we try something else? He has an understanding of human mindset. And then that way he can go and say, this technique probably didn't work. Okay, then it should be something more like this. And it is still an experiment. There is still going to be trials and tribulations. But at least you know you have guidance on how to get there. Yeah, I, I agree. That sports analogy of golfers or, or hockey players is, is the perfect one. The pattern is this. The higher level of performance, more support they have mm-hmm. more coaches that they have so because it's just a degree of change at that level makes correct. a huge difference and right? a specialization too yeah. right the uh, specialization of the coaching specialist of the coaching like yeah. we were talking about like having a mindset coach for some somebody who's had to deal with the pressure of doing something world class mm-hmm. like competing in a game that one shot can make a big difference um, and how to not take that personally or, or like like authors if they have a uh, bestseller, everything is going to be compared to whatever right is going to be compared to that, the work that they come after that. So putting all of these support system and buffers is will help us to stay in our zone and perform to a higher level. So the support systems, coaches, not only they demand and guide us to higher performance, but also they, they, they hold us in there. So Using another analogy from another mentor of mine, Mr. Gerber, he talks about working in the business and on the business. And it's simply too much to ask for someone, to ask of anyone to work in and on anything at the same time. So in my mind, working on could be something that I can outsource um, to somebody else and do the work with that person and working in it would be the something that I do. So uh, if if we are going to implement and we're going to do the work, if we don't do the work, nothing is gonna happen. But guiding that work to a, a path that is going to be like make the all of the obstacles irrelevant and and trying new things and and many times just not be alone is a great help. So advices the higher performance you want for yourself, you need to have more coaches. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's true. And But I think one of the things for me is now I can pick up techniques um, that I can research on my own or I can do a course. Because um, courses in, in some ways are mentorships. But if you don't have that baseline of being able to do something, it's like cooking, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
Um, I love to cook. That's one of my sort of hobbies is is food. Um, and I took a class. I took an eight-week class that taught me the fundamentals of cooking. Now that I have those fundamentals, I can look at any recipe and modify it. I can look at any recipe and I can go like, I can try something, right? But if I go into baking, which I tried on the weekend and it didn't turn out really well, <laughs> um, because that's a different level of of working. It's a different way. Like cooking food is one thing and baking and, you know, making me icing a cake, for example, is completely different. So now if I want to go down that route, I realized that I need to do some coaching or need to do some courses to be able to, to do that. But without that, you know, you'd end up having like, I felt like it was like pockets of knowledge, but they just don't sort of cohesively mesh together. Yes. And you can do all of the by yourself after many, many trials and trial and errors. He, if he doesn't take a course in cooking or baking, staying at it, he will be able to do it. But it's doing it the hard way. And, and a role of a, a course or a coach and all of that is to um, remove all of that. I remember you were talking about your hobbies. One of my hobbies is uh, calligraphy. And I was not happy with my penmanship when I was young and in school. And I just started to practice and practice and practice. Not thinking I can just go buy a calligraphy book and imitate what's in there. I kind of wrote something on paper and does that look good? No. Try again, try again, try again. So I reinvented calligraphy and I didn't have to. So <laughs> it was a, so that was a big lesson for me. The first time that I noticed there's a book. A book on it. <laughs> book on a calligraphy and I yeah. and I already knew and I said, how come I didn't connect this idea to that idea? That's dumb. I'm not gonna ever ever do that again. So that change in mindset from now on, every time I'm about to uh, experience something new or try something. The question is not how, it's who. Mm-hmm. Who can help me with this to make this whole path easier, faster, better, bigger, and all of that. So that's the, um, that's the lesson for me right there. Great question. Or, yeah, great question to ask. That's great. Muhammad, what else comes to mind? Is there any other? I think uh, one of yeah. the other things that, that I learned quite a bit, which I apply, I would say, potentially several times a day, is when things don't go right. Because inevitably, more things go wrong than they do go right, um, especially when you're an entrepreneur. How do you reset? And how do you how do you win the day sometimes, right? Like, that was something that I learned. Like, we talked about the five-minute journal, for example. And I run a modified version of that in my life where it's like three things um, that you can do that will win your day. And that's huge because especially if you have... Like, you know, as an entrepreneur, I have so many competing priorities and I have so many things I got to get done. And that's on top of like your personal life and your social life and, you know, your family life, you know. Um, And so being able to put all of that together and say, like, what three things can I get out today that would make me feel good and it would actually move me forward? And sometimes your day, even after you've accomplished those three things, um, doesn't feel necessarily that it's complete. Um, or sometimes, you know, your day just has, it's one of those days where those three, three things don't get done. You can reset that for tomorrow, or you can take a look back over your last three months, six months, a year and say, well, I was here and now I'm over here. Like I've, I've accelerated that growth. I've moved from point A to point B. It's not been a smooth journey, but now point B is my new baseline. And then point B to point C is where I want to go and then and enjoy that um, productivity or enjoy that whatever it is that I'm doing so a lot of things that I've wanted to take on a lot of things that I feel like my plate 
um, and capacity has gotten to do the things that I want to do more of. It's just by resetting your day, resetting, you know, even if you're going through like, um, it's just funny enough, I mentioned that because I was running into a situation where um, I was dealing with some work that I hadn't dealt with in a long time. I'm usually now away from dealing with support issues within the IT industry, but somehow I got sort of looped into one of these things. It's not something I enjoy doing, but it was like one of those things where I'm like, I can't outsource it. It, it just, it's too critical for, for what I need. I need to do this, um, but it wasn't working. And so just being able to go like, hey, you've gone two hours. It's not going. Let's just reset. Take it a fresh approach. Maybe ask somebody, you know, get some, some help, you know, work through certain things. And just having that mindset of being like, I can reset my day. I can reset my week. I used to go quarters I used to like write off years and then quarters <laughs> yes. of my life is like, oh, you know what? Like I like fitness is a good example. Like, you know, we make a commitment to say, I'm going to work out every day. And it doesn't happen. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start next year in January. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, it's like February 1st. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have not, you have yeah. 12 months that you just burned because you couldn't reset yourself. And just yeah. shrinking that time to be like in the moment, like it, doing sets in a workout and go like, okay, the set didn't work out. Yeah. Let's reset. Right. I don't have to wait till January 1st to, to, to get that set to go again, right? Yeah. And that's what he taught me. It was like, how do I shrink that? How do I find when things aren't working and how do I reset them? And that's been a huge change. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really loved working with Mo. Um, his, I'm, I was trying to make this point too, but his love of document things, documenting <laughs> things and measuring it and looking back at them. And, and, and you make a great point about shrinking them. So for example, let's say, if we do our work and we review it every quarter, it means in a year we have four chances to course correct and make improvements. But if we do it monthly, suddenly we have 12 chances and just four. And if we do it weekly, now there are 52 chances to course correct and all of that. So it's the same thing as in leaving everything for the last minute. Limitations are some of our best friends and allies to to get things done like when you know you have only three hours to get something done you will get into an action mode and focus on on the important stuff rather than if you thought you had three days right <laughs> coming well, from the guy who does everything last minute right? yeah <laughs> but, but oh, i design said, it that way i, I just put myself in a way that i i, I <laughs> either i get it done now or it's not going to happen and, and it's a funny thing it's not about just getting it done it's about how we get it done too because Putting, putting myself in that situation is because that how, let's say, my brain is wired brings the most creative version out of me too. So it's not just about getting the work done. It's the best version of the work done or best version of me showing up, being an, we talked about, um, audio, audio, auditory or listener or a reader kind of thing. I have done most of my coaching over the phone because if I am not looking at a person and I only hear their voice in my headset, I, I can, I can make the best connection. So, by doing it over the phone, I am giving them my best version. So limitations or uh, specific modalities are going to serve us that way. Mohammed, it looks like you have something to say about that. Yeah, it's so funny <laughs> you mentioned that because, like, for me, I'm very visual. And I, and I learn a lot from people's visual cues. So for me, when I'm working, especially in the IT industry, I love webcams. I mm. love the ability to be able to see a room. Uh, because I, I I focus in and hone in on people. Like for me, I can't necessarily hear it, but I focus in on what I see in their facial cues, right? But that just shows like 
you know, if I was teamed up with someone like Kayvon, it would be a good mix in certain aspects and it could be a bad mix in certain aspects too, right? Like depending yeah. on the role, depending on the thing. And that's the other thing is like just because you're one way or you you gravitate towards one doesn't make you, you know, less or more. It's just you are what you are. Like you are It makes you a perfect choice for the other for person. The, yes. Like when I like that example that if we work together, he sees what I hear and I hear what he sees. Yeah. So putting that together, imagine what kind of a or output that that work can create because between the two of us, we complete the picture. Interesting. What changes has it made in your business? It's only been two and a half, three years since you've been working with Kayvon. So comment on that, but then also comment on some of the personal because I, I hear both things going on this in this entire conversation is that there's been improvements in your not only in your business, which I, I think have been quite significant, but also it's affected your personal life. Oh, I, I think it's hard. I, to separate those two. Sure. Um, so sometimes it's like, where does business start? Where does personal begin, right? But I would say from a business standpoint, learning, like ha- not only having a benchmark of yourself, but then having a direction you want to go into kind of shows you where you're going to take your business. So for me, for example, when I was young, I would always be like, well, bigger the business, the better it must be, right? Um, you know, and that's not always the case. Um, you got to build the business that's right for you and right for the market you're serving and right for, you know, your lifestyle choice. And so going and saying, like, I've kept my consulting small. Um, I want to keep it smaller. Um, I don't want it to be a big consulting company. I don't want to hire a whole bunch of people. And not because I don't think it's it's good or bad, but it's just like the way I operate, the way of the work I want to do in this business, I want to do in a certain way. And even in the e-commerce side, I was doing some e-commerce work and learning some e-commerce things. My goal was to build a business that didn't have as many people, um, but was something that was, you know, sort of in my way, I look at it as like best bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the best bang for the most amount? What is the most amount of output I can give while managing my input? It doesn't have to be the least amount of input. It has to be what I can manage and safely do along with having my entire life. And from a personal life standpoint, I think it's changed a few things. One is I'm not apologetic about things with being in social situations I don't want to be in. I just extract myself from those and I don't generally go in. And I'm much more vocal about that. I'm also um, would say from a personal standpoint that my friendships have gotten much more deeper and more meaningful with people, right? Um, I think we live in a society sometimes where um, those type of things, you know, socially may not be cool. Um, but I love, like, I, when I want to hang out with friends, I want, like, one, two people, let's get in a room, no distractions, talk, you know, get to know each other, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, do an activity, but not, like, a heavy-duty activity. I'm not a party guy. Like, I'll go to them, you know, certainly uh, being in a, having a wife, you know, who loves that kind of stuff. You, sometimes you have to go to these things, but they're not my choice of ways of why I want to interact with people. So we have very, even my wife and I have very different approaches on how we deal with our social life. And we both have an understanding to say, we'll do what each other wants. Um, but we know, for example, my wife knows that mornings are my time. She loves, she knows that I love the morning and I love having some alone time. She gives that to me. And I know that when she comes home from work, she needs that alone time. And that's some of the changes that happened within my uh, personal life over the course of the last three years of working with him. It's not only did I have an understanding of myself from a business standpoint, but those are the very same things I can apply 
within my own relationship. So the passion one, a great example. Joanna, my wife, used to wonder, well, why is he not like gung-ho about this? And it's not because I'm not gung-ho. It's just that I'm not going to run up and down the stairs uh, showing my gung-ho, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it takes a lot. So what I learned is like it takes like you have to ratchet up to 11 before I show passion <laughs> yes. in that way, right? But now that she understands that, you know, and I say to her, no, I'm actually interested in this. She takes that for what it is, which is that it's genuine interest. It's not like, oh, I'm interested in this. You know, yes. like it's not a lip service. It's actually genuine interest. It's just not going to manifest in itself in the same way it manifests for her. And then knowing that about yourself, you can understand that when she's nuts and bonkers and I'm like, whoa, I can't handle this. That's just her way of showing passion. And I have to like love that and accept that. And that's kind of a huge change on how you operate with the people closest to you as well. Yes. Did you marry a passionate person? I totally did. <laughs> so you got the X and Y theory going on there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know what? And that's, you know, we sometimes I think when we don't understand ourselves, we find it really hard in even in personal relationships, right? So, you know, and, and it comes out kind of wrong um, when people don't understand it. So sometimes you say, well, I don't want to do this. And people will be like, well, he's kind of like dink. He doesn't want yeah. to do something with his wife or whatever. Like <laughs> it comes out the wrong way, but it's, it's not meant to be. But knowing that, hey, you know, I don't want to do this because yes. it's not that I don't want to like, you know, go on a hike with you. I just don't want to go with 20 other people. Can we do it together? Or can we have a smaller group? Or can we, you know, like you have some understanding of saying, this is how I feel more comfortable. I'm more confident about that feeling that I don't have to conform to something. Um, and then knowing that if I am going to be put in a situation like that, well, I have techniques to be like Pomodoro my way out of it. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. And it all starts with, with knowing my yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. knowing that. I think I want to say something here that I got paid really, really, really well working with Mo. And I'm not just talking about dollars. Of course, there was a financial part of it, and I got paid in dollars. Yeah, which I also feel I felt undercharged given all the changes that I made. <laughs> oh, it's not too late. <laughs> <laughs> Your next invoice will be a little less. But the thing is, I got really paid. There was a, this joy in watching him uh, go do things, implement, and, and get results. Uh, like one of the greatest things about Mo. And the, the thing that I look for in my clients, are they open to suggestions? Are they open to new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things? And and he did that. So um, I got to get paid really, really well, keep watching him improving and implementing things. And I think the biggest payment that I received was a year after we stopped our weekly work together, I got a message from him out of nowhere, no conversation. That was just a long text message. Uh, going over that how his life has been on a trajectory that is getting better and better and and it started with the work and how he's improving a lot of just just reading that I, I think I read it like four or five times and people around me hey look at this look at this hey look at this. <laughs> so and I'm still getting paid <laughs> <laughs> well thank you but I wrote that and I remember writing that because one of the things from the five minute journal is you write about three things that you're grateful for um and I've modified that. And I think 99% sure it was with your help. And if it wasn't... It Give him credit for it. Anyway. <laughs> sure. yeah. I'll take that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was... Instead of just doing three things I'm grateful for, I try to pick one that is a person or... I think Tim Ferriss might have said this too. Mm-hmm. But it's like a person in your life or you know, some, some, someone in your life that, has, that you're grateful for. The second thing is something today. 
right? Because we always focus on the past, we always focus on the future, we're always trying to improve to get there. But what's what are you grateful for today in this very moment? And then the third one is sort of a catch-all bucket, right, mm-hmm. of what doesn't fit in the first two. And I find myself from time to time going back to the people who played influences in my life. Um, and you came up a few times just in life I was going through things I was working on some stuff and techniques were coming out and I, and I remembered you know quite a few days in a row that I was writing your name and a reason for why I was writing your name mm. and that to me was like I'm like this person has changed my life you know I would say like if I look at all the people who've influenced me in my life Kayvon would probably be the one one of the ones that would be up there um, that has made helped me transform to become who I wanted to become deep down and so I was like you know what let me just let him know. Let me just be appreciative of that. I didn't honestly. I didn't know how it was going to go over. I didn't know if it was lame. I didn't. You know. I didn't know. Like I, it was a stab in the dark. Um, I've done it subsequently with a few other people in my life that I've just given them some some stuff like that, and I didn't know how it was going to be received. I didn't really care <laughs> because I just wanted him to know that hey, you know, you did this with me, um, and I and I don't forget. Because, you know, I'm so grateful for where I am today. Uh, but I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the team of people and Kayvon being one of them to get me there as well. That's really You nice. see what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, Kayvon, Kayvon, could you just tell us a bit more about that, that technique of the five-minute journal and, and gratitude? Would you mind expanding on that a little bit? Well, there are many different types of, of journaling out there. And, but the, the main idea for all of them is for you to sit down and basically find yourself for that day and and go about it. So there are, as I said, there are different, many different ways to go about it. I have created my own or, or modified our own version from different things. He has done it the same way. Five-minute journal, a, it's a, a booklet that you can buy from bookstores. Um, it's a great one. And this is not a new thing. Uh, like I was just talking to a friend yesterday that m- many years ago I heard this story. I don't remember all of it, but the gist of it is there was, there used to be this Indian Maharaj that he started every day by celebrating his funeral. Basically, he would tell himself in that ceremony that the yesterday version is gone, dead. Mm-hmm. Today's reset, new start, let's go for it. So that whole leaving past in the past is one of the greatest advantages of, of journaling. Leaving past, it means both successes and failures. Having a short memory is, is a is a uh, great ally and great asset here because if we want to rely on our previous successes, we start not acting with with our best capacity. Like we think, yeah, I got this, and and the voices will win. Or the other way around, if we if we keep looking at the the failures that we had in the past and things that didn't work out, we start to think that's who I am. That's that's how I operate. So let's ma- set up my day in a way that I prove that theory to be true. So we don't want to do that. So with things like journaling and asking good, there is, I don't think there is anything more valuable as a good question. Like for example, a good question in my journal is I list three things that they went right yesterday and how did I contribute to that? And one thing that went wrong yesterday and how did I contribute to that? And I picked the ratio of three to one because our mind and our brain is much more trained to look Operate at the, the negative. Other way around. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. rather than positive, so we need to balance it out. And uh, Or uh, the, the one thing question from the one thing book because 
focusing on one thing always has been the pattern of of creating success for myself. And I'm glad that other people have done this great work and wrote a book about it. It contains almost all of the ideas that I have. That's why I called my company Soul Focus, as in your one and only focus. But thinking about what is one thing I can do today to make today a great day. Um, there are specific questions formatted a different way, but the, all of them, the, the format doesn't matter. It matters that you you set things in a way that you set up yourself for, for success and having a, as you said, non-judgment evaluation of where you're at and where you can go in the next. And I do believe in baby steps. So just making things good and successful for the next, for this day is already a big win. If that's too long, make it the next hour. You know, it doesn't have to, and further than that doesn't have to be. Just day by day is already a great pace to go with. So, Mohammed, what is your advice in people if they're considering a coach or, you know, working with someone like, like Kayvon, what, what would you say to them? I'd say get a coach. <laughs> like, you don't have to, I think there's this misconception in society. Um, yeah, I think media plays a big part in that is um, that the people who are at the top came there by themselves. Um, and they didn't. You know, I think they've had, um, coaches of various kinds so sometimes it could be family sometimes it could be friends sometimes it could be just a mentor at work um, it could be any of these things but you need a team of people to help you right they're not going to walk your shoes but they're definitely going to make your shoes easier to walk in or they're going to guide you in a way that um, gets you through that right and i think that without coaching i'm not sitting here and not and not just cave on as a coach, you know, I have a team of people behind me as well, you know, whether it's um, having a counselor or having a mentor in from a technical standpoint or, you know, any one of these number of people. I have a team of people behind me that allows me to sit here and cave on was one part of that. He was a significant part of that. But I think coaching in general, um, seek advice wherever you can. I think there are people out there who've already done it or who've gone through what you've gone through and they can be of invaluable help and you'll find that oh, there's a lot of people for the type of stuff that you need help with mm. and making sure that you get that. It's, it's huge. It's game changer. So we've talked about a number of things today. We talked about the Pomodoro method. We talked about journaling. There was one other thing in there I'm, I'm not recalling right now. It's, it's, <laughs> it's around setting up your your way of doing things that works for you. Yes, that works for right. you, exactly. Yeah, different yeah. methods. Uh, yeah. There are many, here's the thing, there are many, many ways to do things right, and there's one way to do them wrong, but there are many, many ways to do anything right. You need to pick up the one that's right for you. The mm -hmm. way that is least resistance, this is the way that you have been wired, trained, and just works for you. Finding that way and just making success happen that way is a great way to start. There you go. The coach was listening. Yes, he, was. <laughs> he, he helped with the summary. It's a good thing I didn't have to do that summary because I don't remember all the points I made. So, <laughs> so uh, it doesn't have to be one of those three things, but what has been your favorite thing about working with Kayvon so far? I would say, I'm going to say two things. And I know he said my most favorite thing, but I think the one thing that I have working with him as an overarching thing is the amount of data I have on myself. So as an analytical guy <laughs> i was gonna um, say as an it guy you, gotta, you an, have data yeah, yeah as an analytical awesome. <laughs> guy uh within within the quasi it industry now just having that data about yourself like i can go back 
you know, three years at the very least um, from the time that I've started working with Gabon to today and be able to look at, you know, if I'm struggling, I have data to now look at and say, what worked well? Let me find a period in my life where it worked well. Let's go look at what was going on. Let's see what I was using, you know, and I can go back and say, okay, I can rediscover some of that, um, that uh, magic, for lack of a better word. And if things are going well and you're documenting things are going well, because sometimes we document only when we're hitting adversity. But if you're documenting when things are going well, now you have a blueprint to go back to when things aren't going well. And if you're documenting when you have things, when you're having adversity, then at least you know that, hey, you know, what was I doing that was causing me adversity at this time? So having all that data, I think, was one of the best things that came out of the coaching that I had with Kayvon is that he got me techniques to 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 match that data and then making a good friend out of, mm. uh, you know, like I think... We ran into each other on the street um, not too long ago, yes. and you told me to watch a movie, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched it. <laughs> I haven't watched movies in a long time just because um, I, I'm a reader over a movie watcher, but it was just nice to, you know, it was like the smiles lit up. I was like, hey, I know that guy, like, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. and just having that ability to have that um, um, person in your life that can really help you, and, and you know, I, I can't say enough good things about Coaching and specifically my experience with uh, Kayvon. Great. Well, as I said, it was a joy working with him. Um, what he said about running into each other into in the street is something that I always think about because I'm thinking if all of my clients, if you gather them all in a room, am I going to be afraid to walk into that room or am I <laughs> looking forward to walking? Am I going to be surrounded by smiles and greetings and love or, or people are going to go, eh, this guy showed up. So th- that's virtual room always exists in my head and and helps me to let's say stay on the path good i probably should have asked you this off off the top but you know tell us a little bit just a little bit about your business and a little shout out like how can people get in touch with you so endivian consulting is my company and what i do primarily now is i help teams understand their data better and understand how they work better in a in a business context so Traditionally, I guess the name business analyst would be best used to describe me, which is also very different than when I started working with Haven. I was very much technical, and I've sort of moved away from technical into more people-oriented stuff. And I don't even have a website because I don't need one. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, and so to get a hold of me, it's uh, Mohammed at ndvm.com. It's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me by email. Can you spell that last part? Uh, at A N D I V I. O-N okay. dot com. And okay. Muhammad is M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. It's a bit of an odd spelling. Uh, <laughs> and here's a productivity tip, and I have done this for myself. Create an alias for that email that is M at your domain name. I have K at my domain name. Yeah. K at soulfocus.com. That's just uh, easier to remember, easier. So just the first letter. That's if I Boom. want it to be easier. <laughs> no, I, and, and one of the things I've eliminated, right? Like yes. I've eliminated social media. I don't have my work emails on my phone. Um, because one of the things came on top of me was like, you let it, like you're the boss, you're the master. You know, don't let these things be the master of you. And so for me, work email stressed me out on my phone. I been running my business for the last three years and not had work emails on my phone. haven't had any emails no notifications and people think that the world's going to fall apart it doesn't you know but if it works for you go for it yep. that's incredible that's a whole nother podcast topic yes, right there that yeah. sounds really cool people are going what how do you run a business like that it oh. sounds like you don't have 
a I ton of marketing get, going I, on. I wish I wish <laughs> I could get you know, and, and I've been really fortunate that you know I've had attracted the right level of people that come and ask me to work for them. Um, you know, but I, I I now look for the right fit, kind of like yes. with Kayvon. You know, one of the things that he will t- he will work with is if you're not the right fit for him, he's not gonna just work with you because it's a paycheck, right? Um, you know, and I think we knew when we'd reached the end of of what we can do at that point in our lives together, um, and that's when we we broke that. And it wasn't like he was upset or I was upset. It was like, yeah, we've, you, we've come to this journey this far and it's time for us now to seek better. It hasn't changed. I don't think our friendship, it no. hasn't changed. We celebrated our success and yeah, and next. We, and, we, and we moved yeah. on, right? <laughs> and I think that's the same thing like in my business life. It's like, you know, I, when I work with clients or I know when the end comes and maybe they don't want it, maybe I don't want it, but it, when the end comes, you just have to embrace the end and say, you know, we had a good run. This is this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing and all of the things that you shared today. I really appreciate it. I got a lot of value out of it. I'm sure our listeners did as well. And Kayvon, just before we go, how can people get in touch with you or anything else that you want to say before we wrap up? I like that whole idea that we went over that you don't have to do anything by yourself. I work with founders and entrepreneurs and CEOs and that sort of thing. And that kind of a work is is a very alone type of a work, but not lonely. So we, we, if we don't have that clarity, we kind of mix it up and that aloneness, that, that aloneness as in you are the responsible one. As you said, you're the master, all of these tools and techniques and methods, and they are not the master of you. So, and you're responsible for creating the results. So you are alone, but you don't have to be lonely. So don't be that. Surround yourself with all sorts of support. We're talking about business coaches. We're talking about like even we were, ta- we talked about gym and CrossFit. I look at that as they are called coaches, but I also look at it as outsourcing what I need to do because when I, all I have to do is show up the work of the program. You not have for to the, research all that. Yeah. I don't have to research yeah, all of the, yeah. the, the program, not only for today, but also because you go regularly, they're thinking about periods. So you can see that they are working on squats for a while or, or another movement. So you just go into a program and give yourself fully to the process. So find those support areas, coaches, mentors, programs, books, and give yourself fully to them. Be open. And every once in a while, like the way that he does, um, you put in regular ways to take snapshots so you can measure the progress and measure the change of the things that you want to add and you have more of now and the things that you want to reduce and remove and you have less of now and and how's that that going and the the way to reach me is as i said k at 10xproductivity.com just letter k (laughs) (laughs) at 10xproductivity.com 